0: a really great opportunity to pivot in terms of how we approach fundraising. And so for organizations that maybe have been on the fence around can we just hold off until after the pandemic or can we just wait a bit longer till we're back in person? I would just encourage you to not
1: do that. Hi everyone, Trista McIver here, program advisor with AMC MPO Solutions. Today on The Strategic Nonprofit, we will be talking about unique ways to host hybrid and virtual events. I've invited Rebecca Alfred on the podcast today. Rebecca is part of the team at Trellis Social Enterprise Inc. supporting charitable organizations, hospital foundations, nonprofits, and other organizations to find new online approaches to raising funds for their causes. Since starting at Trellis, Rebecca has supported hundreds of organizations as they run fundraisers with specialized expertise in signature fundraising events and donor experience for virtual and hybrid fundraisers. Rebecca has also worked in research for nonprofit sustainability and developed social programs to meet complex challenges. Well, welcome to the podcast, Rebecca. Here at AMC, we do a lot of live webinars and virtual training for nonprofits across Canada. If you're looking for virtual governance training or strategic planning for your NPO, drop me a message and I'll be happy to go over options with you. More details are in the show notes. I am so glad to be here. This is awesome. Excellent. Can you please share a little bit about your work at Trellis and your role there? Yeah, definitely. So uh, Trellis,
0: we're an all-in-one fundraising platform. So we help charities with everything from like tickets and donations and silent auctions and raffles and 50-50s. And so what I get to do here is really just work with our charities and support them. So I usually start at the very beginning, learning what they're doing, kind of seeing how we can support them and what that looks like, helping them get up and running, and then all the way through to watching on the day of and making sure things go off without a hitch and then i also get the privilege of getting to share that story with other people so like podcasts or webinars or conferences talking with other people around cool ideas I'm seeing and hopefully inspiring some other organizations to try new things too.
1: Perfect. Well, thanks for sharing that. So as we have come to realize virtual and hybrid fundraisers are sort of the way of today (laughs) and they're possibly here to stay for a little while. What are the most popular components that are included in your virtual fundraising events?
0: Yeah, we've seen a whole spectrum of stuff really in the last however many months or years this pandemic been going on. And it's been really cool to see just how individual and how specific and creative people are getting around what they can do. The one thing that we have seen consistently be kind of like a really big hit is the whole idea of a dinner at home or take home meal to enjoy, especially for a virtual event. People love going to galas and events in person because for a lot of reasons but one of them being is just a night out you get a good meal and that's a big piece of it and so we've been watching a lot of organizations transition that to doing that at home and it has been such a big success everything from having a meal that you get and you pick it up from a local restaurant to a lot of charcuterie boards or wine and cheese plates And then we've even seen some organizations get a little bit more creative with it and actually have an ingredient box delivered to people's doors. And then they've got a chef that comes in and part of your virtual event, you learn how to cook this meal at home, which again, a really fun way. That ties into like the other piece that we've seen that has made virtual events really successful. And that's all around just really highly engaging elements. So, you know, the virtual chefs, or maybe it's a virtual bartender you a virtual bartender that's going to teach you how to mix your drinks at home or just, you know, different elements or different entertainment pieces that are all just designed around engaging your donors.
1: You know, yeah, I attended the CSAE event last year, the virtual conference, and they had sent from, I think it was Ontario, an ounce of gin from a local distillery. And I was present during the event when the gentleman from the uh, distillery was doing, you know, the bartending part of it. And that was really, really neat. And that's sort of what you were touching on where, uh, you know, you have the chef or somebody involved. And yeah, I, I really, I really liked that part. It was a very touching, you know, piece of trying to sort of be together, like, you know, they thought of me. They thought of me specifically to to mail, you know, to mail off some gym. <laughs> so, yeah. right?
0: It's, it's yeah. just that like above and beyond. Right. They thought of you specifically. And the yeah. fact that you had that feeling, I'm going to make the assumption that other people attending that exact same event felt the same way right? You feel like they thought of you. They put that in the mail with your name on it. Makes you excited about the event, right? And if you were able to hold off and drink your gin on the day of or not, you know, (laughs) (laughs) impressive. I don't know if I could, but if you got that experience and you've got something to look forward to, right? It's like, oh, what are they going to do with this? Or Maybe they also sent an ingredient list at the same time for some other pieces you need to pick up for your drinks. Like you're intrigued. You want to check it out and get, you know, see what it's all about. That kind of VIP or exclusive feeling that you can create for your donors is massive.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. Now, I was curious to know a little bit more about having possibly like a studio audience in the conference as part of sort of a new dynamic. Can you explain a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah, we've seen a lot of organizations start to get into this and it's super fun, right? We went from totally in-person events where everybody was there. We didn't really even think to have a virtual audience. To like the complete other end of the spectrum where now everybody was virtual. And so the like in-person VIP experience with some people virtual is like a whole new dynamic that we get to explore. And it's really like blending kind of the best of what we saw in in in-person and the best of what we saw virtually too. The events that we've seen do this really well, they go for a really exclusive in-person experience, right? So you have, probably depending on where you're based, who restrictions may dictate kind of how many people you can have in person. So it might be a bit smaller, but it's also the people that are like dying to get back into the room, right? So people are so excited to be there and they also have the option to choose virtual and they didn't. So like they're really excited to be in person. So really making that experience really engaging and again, really exclusive feeling for those people can be super fun. We've seen in some of the events that we've supported that have done this, like they've had red carpets and they've had, you know, amazing meals and they kind of went a bit above and beyond with things like meals and drinks and all of that. More exciting venues or different kind of venue set up that just encouraged more community um, is where we're seeing people go. I would also encourage you though, if you're thinking of doing that mix, that kind of hybrid event with an in-studio audience, as well as virtual attendees, think about how you can also bridge those people together. You've still got a full audience at home. And so it's so tempting when you've got a hundred people in front of you to assume that they're the only ones there, but you do still have an audience at home that is potentially a lot larger too. So think about how you can tie the groups together. What are some like online only experiences that you're going to create? That maybe you just have on a big screen in front of our in-person attendees. And so your in-person attendees get to watch like a virtual attendee as well. Or what are those kind of tie-ins that you can create? Maybe it's a virtual photo booth that everybody participates in, regardless if if they're watching at home or in person. Just trying to bring in those two audiences together, I think goes a long way, not just for your at-home attendees, but also the people in the room. It helps them remember they're part of something a lot bigger than maybe the people next
1: to them too. Yeah, those are some really great ideas. Ideas. Thanks for sharing those. There could be many events on the same mm-hmm. day that I would like to attend. So for the organizations, how can they make themselves, especially if it's the same sort of industry, how mm-hmm. can they do? be able to be more appealing or differentiate themselves. Would you have any suggestions around that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. really goes back to the engagement piece that I mentioned before too. I would really encourage you to really know your audience. Like, yes, you're, you know, maybe these are donors you've had for a long time and they're long time donors and you kind of know them, but like really get to know them, like know what their preferences are, know what kind of entertainment they're gonna really engage with. And the more catered you can make it towards that group, the more likely they're gonna say yes. Of course, you're right. There is going to be tons of other events happening on the same day that maybe support similar organizations. And they could be halfway across the country, but because we're virtual, we can all watch them. But you're also competing against things like Netflix. And that, again, is so tempting. So... Exactly. And so all of those other temptations are there. So the more engaging you can make it and the more specific you can make it to the people that you know are going to be there is really going to help. So again, you know, We have seen like the virtual bartenders be really successful. That's why the meals are so successful. We've also seen organizations who they just know their audience so well and their donor base so well. They've done, you know, speakers that they know are really going to engage them or musicians and entertainers that really they know that their donors are going to love or even, you know, smaller groups that do things like pottery class. And it's still a fundraiser, but it's just, again, a different way to engage people. and People are excited to do something different. The other thing that we've seen be really successful is really, you know, sharing the why behind your cause. We did some research actually, and we took a look at, Uh, hundreds of fundraisers that happened and tried to understand why were some successful and others maybe not as successful. We also had conversations with donors and charities and industry experts to understand their perceptions of virtual or in-person or hybrid events, just to see what learnings we could take. And one of the reasons that we saw that donors tend to attend virtual events is because of the organization. They've got a specific connection to that organization or have chosen to give to it in the past. And so as you're thinking about your events, yes, there's those other temptations in terms of other events and other things people can do with their time. But donors choose to attend your events specifically to learn about you guys and learn about what you're doing as an organization. So share those stories, right? Those inspiring stories of life change or testimonials that you may have because that's also what people want to attend and they want to see and hear those things too. Exactly.
1: So yeah, so reaching out to those donors that you've already been engaging with. Totally, yeah. yeah. Yeah, excellent. So what sort of new outcomes have you seen with virtual events since we've had to sort of stop the in-person?
0: Honestly, a lot of really good things, which has been really exciting. I know the switch was so sudden, of course, everybody moving virtual so quickly. And there was a lot of unknown around how long we have to do this and how does it even work or where to start. But some of the outcomes we've seen, I think, have really impacted how fundraising is gonna look indefinitely. We're seeing organizations that are choosing to say, Yeah, we're going back to in-person events and in-person like we have in the past, but there's always going to be elements online. If that's an online silent auction, or the ability to always watch virtual events online too, whatever that is. So we've seen organizations just really grow in terms of how they approach fundraising. And we've also seen a big change in our donors. Before, we were really hesitant to try and encourage our donors to participate online or give online in different manners because that was not comfortable. It felt unknown. But through the pandemic, our donors have learned how to do that. They've actually discovered that they really like doing it. Again, in some of this research we did, we took a look at that and we asked our donors, do you give as much or more or less when you're virtual? And they actually gave more when they were virtual. So we've seen that shift in donors. And I think that outcome alone has really impacted and will continue to impact how fundraising keeps going for charities. The other big learning we've had is, yeah, organizations are saying that things like online silent auctions or tickets or raffles, uh, 50-50s, those things they're going to keep online because they've seen the benefit. It's a lot less work for organizations. It's easier for donors to participate. um, And you can
1: just engage a lot more people in different ways. So lots of good things too. (laughs) Exactly. No, that's great. I think it's amazing how as human beings, we're able to pivot and pivot so quickly. And. Mm figure it all out so we can still keep going. And all of these organizations are here for a purpose and great to see them being able to fight through this and stay doing their work.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it is so inspiring, right? And I think you and I have the privilege of being in the positions that we're in so that we get to talk. To these charities and we got to hear more about their journey and the, the learning and it was really hard. But seeing it come to the other side now where a lot of organizations that I chat with regularly, they've got confidence in terms of how they move forward with fundraising even though they're uncertain with how the world is going to go just as a whole, right? Exactly.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So was there anything else that maybe I hadn't touched on that you'd want to share? Yeah,
0: I think the only thing I would mention is that this is a really cool opportunity. And like you just said, Trista, too, a really great opportunity to pivot in terms of how we approach fundraising. And so for organizations that maybe have been on the fence around Can we just hold off until after the pandemic? Or can we just wait a bit longer till we're back in person? I would just encourage you to not do that, to jump in right now. The organizations that have moved virtual and took that plunge, and again, it was hard. Like, we don't need to pretend it wasn't, but the organizations that have done that have been successful. They're still raising money, they're still beating their fundraising goals. And not doing that now, I think, is a really big missed opportunity. There's lots of different ways you can engage donors right now. There's lots of ways you can bring your donors online and still build relationships with them. And so don't try and miss the opportunity because it's new. Definitely jump in and see what you can do there with your
1: donors and for your organization. Thank you for all of that wonderful advice. Also, thank you for joining me on the podcast today, Rebecca. So if anyone wants to learn more about what you do, and what Trellis can do, where can they find that information?
0: Yeah, definitely. Best place to do that is go to trellis.org and find out all about our platform and how we support charities. And you can also see what other organizations are doing and read some stories there. And then through the website, you can also connect with me or you can shoot me a message. My email is Rebecca at Trellis.org and I'm
1: sure it'll be in some show notes or somewhere that people can can click as well. Absolutely. All of this information will be in the show notes. And also, if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can find me on LinkedIn at Trista McIver and also on amcnposolutions.com. You can reach out to me regarding strategic planning, or governance training, bylaw reviews, Anything to do with the NPO community. And take care, everyone. And I hope you'll tune in to the next episode of the Strategic Nonprofit Podcast.